Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, life uncloseted, boys and girls, men and women, and everything in between. It is time for another episode of Life Uncloseted. And you know what? Sometimes the universe is just such an interesting thing. You kind of meet people. And I know this will happen to all of you. You like, you kind of see somebody online and you're like, wow, they're really connected to a whole bunch of my friends. And then a friend of the friend ends up being on a podcast. In fact, Michael Barber, which some of you uh, heard a few, well, probably a few weeks, a few months ago at this point. And then somebody makes a comment and says, oh, I really like this stuff. And then I'm like, well, you look fabulous, honey. So maybe we should be friends. And that's just kind of how this whole thing <laughs> kind of happened is today's guest is just somebody that as I started looking at some of the stuff she did and does, and I'm like, she really, really would be a great guest here on Life Uncloseted. She has done stuff in the White House, not the current one, God forbid, and um, just stuff with institutions and organizations, like really helping people step into possibility and having confidence and doing the things that just moves the ball forward. And as I was thinking about, gosh, end of year, what would be a good show between Christmas and New Year's? And um, there's more to this because she's got a book coming out in 2019, but we're not going to talk a whole lot about that because we're going to bring her back. But um, this show is going to be about doing that stuff you need to do, getting ready for the new year, stepping into your power, being who you're meant to be, and committing to doing exactly, exactly what you're meant to be, no matter who you are. And I just want to introduce my, my new friend, Laura, who is so far just been a social media friend, but we've, we've had some chats via social media, and her name is Laura Gosner-Odding, and I'm so excited to have you here, girl. Just, I am so excited to be here. We're going to be good friends. You we and are going to be good friends. You know, <laughs> and I figured, what the heck, between Christmas and New Year's, there's nothing better than a gay man and a straight woman who's just like, okay, let's just get this year done and let's get into the next one. And, and you've got an exciting year coming up, by the way, with the book and all that stuff, right? I do. I have a really exciting year. But you know, every year is an exciting year if you make it that way. Like, I fully believe that there is an adventure around every corner if you yep. just look hard enough. And sometimes all you really knew is do is open your eyes. So like, I think we all have exciting years coming up. I agree. And, you know, I love the stuff that you do because you've done some really amazing stuff with, you know, the White House stuff. And we'll get into some of that because I want you to kind of tell a little bit of the story. But the thing that started catching my eye, other than, you know, you kind of made a comment on Michael's um, podcast when he was on with me. Because Michael's just, amazing. He is. He's an amazing guy. And we connected. And it was funny because he and I connected through Friends of Friends. And, you know, we're all speakers. So, you know, we kind of just start you know, connecting around as we do what we do. But um, it was just, just like, I really wanted to have you on here because you've kind of taken this whole thing of confidence and going and doing your thing and then realizing kind of, as you just said, every year can be a good year, but then there really is limitless possibilities, which is the book that's coming out. But the way to get there is truly the mindset. It's about taking life and going, okay, so yeah, I've been dealt a shitty deck of cards at times, but what do we do with that? And where do we go from that? And what do we do when we get the good cards? So how did you kind of step into this space that you're like kind of owning right now in your own way? 
Yeah, it's funny. I I uh, I call myself a confidence catalyst. Yeah. Um, I, I I've had people who've said to me, you know, I sit down and I have coffee with you, or I I, I talk to you on the phone, and um, I read your blogs, and at the end of it, I feel like I've got like lightning bolts in my veins, and I can just do anything. Yeah. And here's yeah. like the magic secret: is that I don't actually do anything special. I just hold up a mirror and reflect people's greatness back on them. Like all of us have greatness inside of us. And we forget that we have this greatness because we're so busy looking on social media and comparing ourselves to other people or um, deciding that, you know, my fourth grade teacher told me I was supposed to be this and I turned out that I don't like that and now I'm unhappy or, you know, I thought I loved this kind of person, but I really love that kind of person and what is society going to think? And I think it's, it's really not until we say screw everyone else and screw everyone else's opinions and screw everyone else's expectations and figure out what causes us joy and then figure out how to live that life that 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 we can be limitless which again is part of the book that's coming yeah, out yeah. um but what i what i love to talk to people about is is there is a place in which each one of us inhabits the very best version of ourselves. Like mm-hmm. when we're really feeling good, and this isn't like some, you know, like hippy dippy, like flower haired girl, you know, sitting in a field of poppies going, follow right. your dreams, follow your passions. Like that's horseshit. Yeah. I think that, I think what this is, is that there is a moment when each and every one of us is firing on all cylinders. We are being the very best versions of ourselves. We are, we are making it rain. We are closing the deal. Um, we are, we are, we are, we are, we are bringing, um, our customers, you know, flying through the doors, or maybe we're sitting with a loved one and we're having this quiet, reflective moment, or we're helping somebody through this really difficult time. It could be loud, it could be quiet, but there's a moment when we are 100% aligned with everything that we can do well. And that's the person that we should be. Like we have to stop trying to fit the round peg in the square hole. Like I don't care how great your life looks on social media. We all have a freak flag and it's until Mm -hmm. it's not until we decide to fly it high and fly it proud that we can fly it happy. And so I'm just really all about seeing that greatness in other people and reflecting it back on them so that they can go, yeah, you know what? I'm actually pretty awesome. And live into that person. Okay, so see why I had her on. I could just like go, okay, it's her show. I'm going to sit back here and eat bonbons and drink wine because everybody that listens knows that I record this in my wine closet. So, you know, I didn't bring the bonbons today. Oh, well. I mean, why would you want to be uncloseted if you're in the wine closet? Exactly, exactly. It's like, no, we need all this. This is a great place to be. But I love what you brought up, Laura, because it plays to how this podcast got started years ago, which was the coming out lounge. And it's really about the LGBT community. When I started it coming out and letting their freak fly, you know, it's like, just do it. Yes. We have trials, but, and I love my community and I get it because, you know, I'm that gay, I'm a gay man. So I get the stuff that we kind of go through, but when you realize you just be yourself, and if somebody else can't take it, well, that has nothing to do with you. And, and it doesn't even have to be with sexuality. What I love about you just said is when you let your freak fly, you're being your best version of you. And nothing can hold you back except you thinking, oh, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be this way. That's the key. Yeah. And where do we get the I shouldn't and I can't and, I, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not okay if I am? Where do we get that from? Like it's not coming – from us internally. It comes Mm -hmm. from someone outside putting this idea on us that there is a definition of 
best and happiness and success and fulfillment. And every time we work hard to try to fulfill someone else's idea, every time we try to fill all those checkboxes, we just get tired, right? We're like, we're so busy living into the, the, the their version of success that not only are we not successful because we're only an iterative version of them, right. we're not ourselves. And, 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 and you can't, like, I spent 20 years doing executive search and I studied and interviewed and recruited and stewarded thousands of leaders in yep. massive moments of career change and upheaval. And here's what I learned. I never really looked for somebody who had subject matter expertise because honestly, you can read a book. I mean, Albert Einstein once said, you don't need to know anything. You just need to know where to find the information. And that was right. before the internet, right? So like, we need yep, to know yep. even less now. Um, anybody can learn the information. I looked for five things. I looked for hunger, weight, tenacity, speed, and grit. And here's the thing. You cannot be tenacious. You can't be gritty. You can't be insatiably hungry about somebody else's dream. Like it has to be yours. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out like, this is the thing that I love. This is the thing that turned me on. This is the community I want to live in. These are the people who make my heart sing mm -hmm. and live in that world because yep. that world is the world that's going to make you even better than you are. So I think, we both have a common friend, I think, Tamson Webster. Don't yes. We? yes. Okay. So Tamson just, she sent out an email a few weeks ago and it was all about like these proverbs and being who you are and these short phrases that like Jay Bear and, you know, some of these people say. And so the one that I came up with, which is something that I've had, I've, I've had different iterations of it. But after that email came out, I sent her an email and said, hey, Tamson, what about this? Pretending to be someone you aren't isn't the problem. Forgetting who you are is, which yes. really is what you just said. The moment we forget who we really are is the moment we are being some other version of ourselves for somebody else. And it's not, it doesn't work, folks. I mean, you may think it is, but it doesn't work. You got to be you. You got to be you. I mean, I have a freak flag. I am damn proud of it. It is great. And you know, there have been times in my life where I tried so hard to be somebody else. I mean, I, 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 I graduated from college when I was 20 and I went to law school early and mm -hmm. I sat there in the law school class thinking I was going to run to become the first female uh, uh, senator from the great state of Florida and I was going to solve all the problems that way. And it turns out I don't actually like being on center stage. Like I like being stage left. My favorite place in the world is to be stage left supporting somebody who is center stage that's changing the world. And it's ironic because I now make my living as a public speaker because mm -hmm. I've come to accept the fact that there are moments where the stage wants me there, yep. but there are times when I'm so much better on the side. And it's funny because I am um, I, I, I also have become known recently as like a badass. Like I'm a competitive rower. I've run marathons. I'm, you know, and, yeah. and I was always the kid who was picked last for every single team ever. Like I went to computer sleepaway camp. I mean, I was like a capital N nerd, probably a capital mm. N, capital E, capital R, capital E nerd. And, and the day before I turned my book in and pressed send on my final manuscript, I was so stressed out that I took um, uh, uh, Ambien and I had this adverse reaction to it. And I tripped over my own feet and I crashed on my ass and I, and I bruised my tailbone. And I, I, I literally was sitting on an inflatable donut for two weeks, right? While that happened, I got trolled on Twitter by Ann Coulter. And, and, and I started getting hate uh, threats and death threats yep. and all kinds of crazy stuff. 
So here's my freak flag. Like I'm a righteously indignant, hyper-competitive, curse word spewing, confidence catalyzing spaz. I'm Brittany, bitch. Like that's who exactly. I am. That's, and if people and, can't handle it, fuck them. That's just the way exactly. I look at it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I am this crazy, um, I'm this crazy complex, um, uh, 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 you know, maelstrom. I mean, people are always like, what time zone are you? And you travel so much. And I'm like, I'm my own time zone. I'm my own weather right. system. Mm-hmm. We should all be our own weather systems. Yep. Yep. You know, it's interesting because I, I was potentially going to work with a, I'm going to just say a PR company to keep it like generalized because I don't want to call these people out, but doing a bunch of stuff, going through some of their intakes and everything and thought things were moving along and they came back and said, well, we like, we like you. We think you're a great guy, but you know what? You're just a little bit too, well, you're a little bit too brash and you're just a little bit too raw and you're a little bit too, I don't know. I'm like, um, I'm real. That's what I say. You're a yeah. little bit too wrong for me. Yeah, bye-bye. I did. I said, bye-bye. You know, w- thanks for wasting my time for last month. Having me do all this crap for me to, it's not like any of my stuff's hidden. You know, I'm gay. You know, I, I throw the F bomb when I feel like doing it. I'm very straightforward. I don't hide anything. If that wasn't what works for your brand, you should have never even started the process, you know, but the thing is, is it takes that kind of confidence to go, cool. I'm out of here. Then I can find somebody else who can do this work for me. And be totally cool with it. But sometimes people get caught up in this thing of, oh, I can't do that because what if? Screw the what ifs. <laughs> yes, they're there. We know the what ifs are there. But sometimes you just got to go, the what if that I want is so much more worth the what if that I don't want. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it comes from this question that we're always asked. Like we get together in these little like, you know, happy hope circles. And people are like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what would you do if you couldn't fail is an I wish question, right? It yep. not only does it, it gets you nowhere, but it also reinforces all the things that you've already told yourself you can't do. Like, oh, if I couldn't fail, I would do these 17 things that I already know I am, I either don't have skills at or are not possible or are not within my, you know, ability to right. do. And I'd rather people not ask themselves an I wish question, but ask themselves an I can question. So like if you were the very best version of yourself, what would you be doing right now mm-hmm. in this situation? So like this PR company is saying to you, if, 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 you, if, we, if we couldn't fail putting you out as this brand of a person, we would massage you in these 16 mm-hmm. different ways. Well, that's, yep. that's horseshit, right? Yeah. Yeah. The very best version of you is somebody who drops the F-bomb at exactly the right time. Exactly. Doesn't not say it, but does it exactly right. So, at the right time, exactly. Right. So like if they, if, 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 if they could figure out and analyze, uh, and analyze the skills that you should be using, the emotions that you'd be feeling, the muscles you'd be flexing in a way that, that, that augmented and amplified you yep. as opposed to like trying to put together a package and then selling that package. Because even if they're wildly successful selling that package, then you're not in consonance. You're like basically uh-huh. playing a part. Like you might as well be on Broadway. Like we want right. you to be you because you can't be you and have a podcast about being uncloseted if you're faking it. And you're no, I can't fake it. And you know, it's so interesting because over the last six months I have, I have held myself back. I, and I don't know why other than I know I was growing and I know I was going a direction. And then when I realized wait, the reason I'm holding myself back is because I've been listening. I've been doing what I did when I was pre coming out of the closet. I was playing the game the way other people were telling me. 
And the moment I said, fuck this, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be the me I've always been up until these last six months. And there was some weird stuff going on. I, I know I was not feeling good. I know my body was saying, you know, all this stuff was coming up. And the moment I had the confidence to step forward and go, nope, this is the way I'm doing it. Everything started to change. I, I got a weekly column with um, the Good Men Project. I got hired by another company to do some coaching for them. I started getting some speaking gigs. I got really clear on what my speaking life would look like. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is great. This is exactly what it means to be myself. And the people that I'm meant to serve show up. That's just the way it is. And do you think it's because they felt the energy, they could feel your authenticity and your integrity mm -hmm. and your joy yep, yep. for what you were doing? Yep. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, in the last couple of months, I've had more people send me emails about the podcast. Like, oh my God, that was killer. Because I'm just like, yeah, screw this. This is how this is. You know, this is the way it's going to be. This is what I'm going to say. In fact, John, I don't know, you probably know him, John Pavlovitz. He's the Christian preacher who has um, Things Need to Be Said blog. And he's just, he's just out there about, this is not Christian. This is not, you know, and he's always all over our lovely president and all that stuff. And I started leaning into him, not like literally, although he's really, <laughs> really damn hot, but um, <laughs> leaning in and watching his brand and going, you know, he's the epitome of my brand. And the only thing I have to do differently is put my spin on it because he talks about, you know, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Um, real Christians have lost their way if they're going to follow Cheeto. So that would be one of his headlines. Right. And I thought I would actually say something like that, except what I would say is real men have lost their way if they're not going to follow a me too movement. It's that mm. like spin on something like this is what it would be. Gay men, you've lost your way. If you're going to keep following other gay men who tell you how to be gay men. That yes. would be the sort of stuff I would say. Quit, you know, all this sort of stuff. And that's when the power steps up. That's when you get in alignment. And the moment I had that thought about him, well, not the thought that he was really hot, but the moment that I had the thought about him, like- I had to look this guy up. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a very handsome guy. I was like, wow, I just got called deeper into what I'm supposed to be doing in the way I want to do it because I've always been the coming out coach, the gay man's life coach. But now I know this work to work with men. Like I want men to give up their bullshit. I want them to go, this is how I'm going to show up as a man. This is the way I want to show up. Not the way the rest of the world tells me a man's supposed to show up. And somebody heard me say that a few weeks ago on a podcast and he actually picked up the phone and called me and said, I just listened to your podcast for the very first time and you got some balls. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> okay, I didn't know what he goes, and I need to get some balls. And I wow. Thought, okay, we have hit a home run now. A home run, absolutely. And that's the thing that I felt was important coming in this week between Christmas and New Year's, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. But Hanukkah, whatever the holidays are, the, you know, we're, we're down to the week before this freaking year ends. And this isn't about setting goals and it isn't about all that stuff we tend to do. It's more about, I want people to go, I would like 2019, not just like, I would love, I would fucking love 2019 to be the year I have some confidence and I go do my thing, go do your thing, go do it your way. And that's why I wanted Laura to come talk about some of this stuff. So as you stepped into your way, what was some of the stuff you started discovering when you're like, yeah, I know I need to kind of shift to the right because I'm that off to the right kind of stage person. But then suddenly you got pulled into the limelight. 
what was that like to really realize, hmm, here I, here's where I belong? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, you know, you always get told if you can dream it, you can do it, right? I mean, like that's the traditional, that's that's the traditional like Instagram, like girl looking yeah, off yeah. into the distance, right? If you can dream it, you can do it. And 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 I I this insidiously optimistic uh, 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 meme that just continues to 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 poison us because I can dream I, mean, I want to be the queen of England right but like at three yeah. p.m. nobody brings me crumpets and a right. and a gin and tonic or whatever she drinks she has like four gin drinks every day or something she's got a nice life um, and then I started realizing that the reason that I became confident about yep. the stuff that I was doing is because I became competent about the stuff I was doing. So yep. um, instead of dream it till you can do it, I like to tell people, just start doing it. Once you start doing it, you can dream bigger. So um, like I mentioned, I was the last kid to be picked in PE class forever. And Hello, right um, there with you. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's, it's, it's like Lord of the Flies, right? Like mm-hmm. middle school PE is the worst thing. You're standing there in like polyester right, right. for me in the right. Miami heat. And it's just, <laughs> you're just sweating and you're thinking like, yep. can I come up with an excuse to get out of PE today? And you know, like your horribly abusive PE teacher is like staring at you and it's, you're going to make you do push-ups. It's terrible. Um, and then I was approaching 40 years old. I'm, uh, I'm turning 48 uh, in, a, in, a, in a few months. Um, and so this is about, about nine years ago. I was approaching 40 years old and everything in my body hurt and it was terrible. And I wasn't overweight, but I was just like out of shape, like just yep. things like I'd had two kids. I just like, I was, I, I traveled for work a ton and I just like, it just, it sucked. And so I, a friend of mine started looking really good and I was like, hey, you look amazing there's gotta be like either you've been really sick you've lost a lot of weight either you've been really sick or there's a new man in your life like what's going on and she's like well i haven't been sick and there is a new man in my life and his name is coach mike Mm. (laughs) i was like who's coach mike so she dragged me to start doing boot camp at five in the morning at the local boys and girls club and um and and at the end of boot camp you had to do this called a finisher which is like run laps around the gym until you got to a mile and i could never do it it took me six weeks until i could run the mile without stopping. And I think it took me like 12 minutes to run that mile. I mean, That's run right. is like a, you know, in quotation marks. Yep, yep. And then as soon as I did it, I was like, Ooh, I ran a mile. Maybe yep. I could do a 5k, like a little like Flintstone gizmo voice, like popped up in my shoulder, mm-hmm. like, Hey, maybe you could do all this. Right, all right. So I did it and I did it really slowly. And then as soon as I did that, the little gizmo popped back up my shoulder and he was like, what about a 10k? So then I did that. And as soon as I did that, I was like, hmm. And the next thing you know, a couple of years go by and I've run three marathons. Now, did I sit there at 39 years old with all the parts of my body hurting going, I should run a marathon? Like, <laughs> obviously not, right? That no, was clearly no. not on my radar. And if you had asked me after that first mile to name this like big, hairy, audacious goal, I never would have said I'd like to run a marathon. But my, my dreams were only... Uh, I could only see the next dream based on where I was, right? So if yep. you get to the top of one mountain, you can suddenly see the next one. And then if you keep climbing, then you can see another one. And suddenly there's a whole range that you didn't even know existed when you're at the bottom. So if you limit your dreams to your current current view, you'll never dream big enough. If I had limited my dreams to where I was in the beginning, I never would have run the marathon. And so the way that I got confident in you know, athletic stuff or getting on stage or doing any of that was just to start doing it. Like you put one foot in front of the other and you look around and you're like, wow, my pants didn't explode. (laughs) I'm okay. I survived. 
And then you realize, I actually didn't do half bad. And then the next day you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. And you can start building up your confidence that way by noticing that you actually have competence in the things that are really interesting to you. That's awesome. So it's interesting that you brought this up because that was some of what I struggled with when I first came out of the closet. It was like, okay, time to like reshape and become Mr. Fabulous Gay Man, right? And then it just started happening because I was happy. I was being me. Now, yes, I went to the gym and then I started teaching spin class. And those who've listened to the podcast faithfully know that I like kind of, well, I kind of did the bad thing and took over a spin class and taught it because the instructor didn't show up. And then suddenly <laughs> you know, I'm into the, next the, into the vacuum steps yeah. of leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was amazing to go through that transformation because I dropped about 120 pounds and I didn't look good. I mean, I'm the first to admit I did not look good. In fact, right. But also maybe you're a bear, maybe you're a twink, maybe you're a tall shit, maybe you're whatever. Mm -hmm. Like who, like who cares? And I'm so glad you brought up the whole bear thing because I hated that term. The first time somebody called me that. Because I'm like, oh no, my own gay homophobia stuff kind of showed up big time. I am not oh, man, a big All my thing. peers are being called daddies right now and they're having a hard time with it. Let me tell you. I love being, I love being called a daddy. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, bend over and let daddy spank that butt, you know. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, it is very interesting. And then I realized what a gift it was for me to go through that. Because then not only had I come out, but then I was going through this other transition. And then right after that, I lost my job. And then it's like, okay, you just got to do this. You know, you just got to keep rolling with the punches, so to speak. But to your point about people being afraid to fuck things up and everything and, and, you know, screw things up. like, oh my God, I love this question that I pose to clients, but it starts with a little phrase. It's like, here's a belief I have. And I want to see if this sets well with you. I believe that if we can fuck it up, we can fix it up. So what do you want to fuck up so you can fix it? That's right. Because just about everything we do, we're going to fuck up. But once we fuck up is when the good stuff happens. And anybody who's afraid to go, but I might screw this up or, you know, I, I, I don't want to fail at this. I'm like, you know what? Then you need to do the work because that's when you're going to figure it all out. Yeah. I mean, think about Roger Federer. Think about Serena Williams. They mm-hmm. go out there and they practice and they hit a hundred serves, but they don't, yeah. they don't hit a hundred perfect serves. They hit, you know, 98 terrible serves because they're like practicing moving their body a certain way or shifting their spin or yeah. changing, you know, the, the weight that they have on their feet. And they're doing it to practice because it's called practice. Exactly. It's not called perfection. It's called practice. And so they're there out there every day fucking up nonstop. And, you know, I, 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 it's funny. I just, I just had my, my kids parent teacher conferences and, and, it, and I spent, you know, you've been to parent teacher conferences yep. and your listeners have been to parent teacher conferences. You know, it's like a parade of 15 minute appointments where you're basically being told over and over and over again, all the things that your kids can't do, right? Like right. you can be mm-hmm. told like, yeah, they're wonderful, but if they could just work on these three things. Yeah. And it got me reflecting about the fact that as grownups, we spend a lot of time in our jobs, which, um, we get paid to do because we have expertise in the thing we've been hired to do, right? So we spend a lot of our time living in the center of our expertise, but kids have to spend all of their time learning new things every single day, right? You don't Mm -hmm. hang out 
with pre-algebra because there's algebra to learn. You don't hang out with algebra because there's geometry to learn. You don't hang right. out with geometry because there's trigonometry to learn. And so they're constantly spending, they're constantly learning new things and being forced to be uncomfortable. We spend all of our time in the center of our expertise and our kids are forced to spend time on the edge of their incompetence. Yep. And that's why they're growing, right? We're not growing because we're not being challenged to do hard things and we get complacent and we get tired and we get boring, right? The reason kids are so interesting to talk to is because they are learning new things in different subjects all day, all the time. And I, and I wonder that if like, if you knew that you were going to fail at something, like if you said, if your listener said, you know, the new year's approaching and I want to set some new year's resolutions and I don't know how I'm going to do what if we said, I'm going to set some New Year's resolutions and I'm destined to fail in some of them. Mm -hmm. In fact, I will probably fail more often than not. But it's the times that I don't fail where I make progress. And it's the times that I do fail where I learn how to make progress in the other parts. So like, what if we, what if we decided to do things where we knew with 100% certainty there was going to be failure and we freed ourselves to just be okay failing and flailing because failure is not finale. It can be fulcrum if we decide that we're going to use it as a learning opportunity. If we go out there and we say, hell yeah, I'm Roger Federer. I'm Serena Williams. Here's my tutu. And I'm going to figure out how to get even better at serving because I'm going to mess up 90 of these on purpose. Man, we'd be unstoppable. Exactly. So the question that my clients hate the most, and I ask it almost every session I don't think I ever miss it, but at the end of the session, because we, we start to do, okay, so what do you get done? What, what do you want to get done this week? What should we vote? You know, now that we've done our kind of work and we're figured out, okay, where we're going. Yeah. The rubber hits you know, the road. Now we're right, the rubber hit, So what do you want to get done? And of course I always have some ideas myself and they, they'll do this. They'll say whatever. And I say, okay, and what's the one thing you're going to fail out this week? And it gets really quiet until they yes. get it. And they, now the ones that work with, you know, once they've been through it a few times, they're like, yeah, this week I think I need to fail at, um, I need to, literally need to fail at procrastinating about getting my podcast started. Great. So you're going to fail at procrastinating. Let's go procrastinate some more. Whatever you got to do this week to procrastinate, because if you do it, you're going to get real sick of it. So I want you to procrastinate till you're blue in the face. Because, so you can't not do it because so it's you just can't like. can't not do it. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You know, one actually I just did this with a client. Um, Last week, he's newly out of the closet, starting to do the dating thing. And he's been with me for about two months. And I said, so what are you going to fail at this week? He goes, I'm going to go and I'm going to fail at every time I try to ask somebody out. I said, great. So how many times do you need to fail this week to do that? He goes, I need to try to fail at least five times this week. But he knew why he needed to fail because he's so uncomfortable in his new skin <laughs> I don't know how to ask a guy out. Well, you know what? None of us did. None of us knew how to ask women out. None of us knew how to ask guys out. I mean, none of us knew how to do this. And most of our parents didn't do a very good job of teaching us how to do that or society either. So go fail at it. Because the more you fail at it, the sooner you're going to get good at it. It's just amazing. The truth is we're all just a whole bunch of insecurities all wrapped up in <laughs> like this, this armor on the outside. It is. It's such amazing things. So, so I want to know what you're going to fail at this week. I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but now I want to know. Well, given that it's the, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, what I'm actually truly going to fail at is I'm going to fail at actually getting a plan in place for the first quarter because I have something written, 
I don't like it. And, but it needs to go, I got to get it even to more where I don't like it because there's something missing right now. And I'm going to go look at it and I'm going to go play with it. But because we've got some big plans for the week, I'm going to push myself a little bit, but I'm going to fail at getting it done because I'm putting too much pressure on myself. So I kind of already had this whole conversation with myself, but I'm going to go push it hard enough where I go, fuck it. This isn't supposed to happen yet, but I know how I work that the day after new year's day, I'll dive in and that sucker will get done because it'll be like, okay, we're already two days in or a day into the new year. So, or two days in or whatever we are at that point, because I will have allowed myself to fail and not getting it done. Yeah. It's maybe I'm the only one who now I see my clients, it works for them, but I know because when I throw myself into that space, the thing I most am failing at is actually the thing that turns into something really great. Yes. This podcast actually was a failure. It was a radio show, internet radio show. And when it came time for renewal, I said, I'm not, no, <laughs> Ricky doesn't pay to play. Not that kind of dollars, not 10 grand to pay. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to happen for a year. And I, I set it aside. And then every time I would look at podcasting, I'm like, oh, I couldn't do that. I need producers. I need, you know? And then every time I'd start it, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to fail at this. And it was about a year into that process that I started using this whole process with clients of what are you going to fail at this week? And for about three months, I said, this week, I'm going to continue to fail, out, start, fail at starting my podcast. And then I went to John, um, Jonathan Fields Good Life Project Camp and John Lee Dumas happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh-oh, I don't have any reason to fail now. Yeah. Talk about the universe bringing people into your lives at a perfect time. Yeah. And Jonathan was a, you know, I'd already done some work with Jonathan, but I was like, Oh, John Lee Dumas. Oh, I know who he is. Yes. And then he talked about it. And I went to his workshop and I came home and I'm like, "Mm -mm. this week I'm not going to fail at this because it's time again. Yes. But I had to go through those many failures. And what was so interesting, Laura, was all those failures. By the time I got to that moment, I knew exactly how I was going to do the new podcast. I knew it was still going to be some interviews, but there was going to be some riffs and rants that I do with just me. I was going to be much more boisterous. I was going to be pushing the envelope. I was going to have with, you know, I've had <laughs> sex workers on. I've had people who, you know, trans people who've gone through some horrible stuff. I've had people on who are like, I don't want to be anything but myself, but because I have boobs and a vagina, I don't know what I should be, but I don't want to, you know, the conversations I've gotten to have have just been beautiful. And you couldn't have had those if you were, if right. you were closeted, if your podcast was exactly. closeted, right? Yeah. The fact that and you're and able what was to interesting is right after that, I started doing it life. You know, I was still the coming out lounge. And then I'm like, no, that's great. But it's like, yeah, it's very LGBTQ. And not, I love my brothers and sisters. But I'm like, I want, there's, I want something that's bigger. I want something that's going to go beyond. And then we started talking about, okay, uncloseted. I'm like, I think it's life uncloseted. And the moment that came into being, I met a guy who was producing shows for somebody else. And he's like, hey, I love what you're doing. I can get you this, 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 and this celebrity. I'm like, really? But it was because I allowed myself to fail. And I knew where I wanted to go, but I wasn't quite getting there. I wasn't, and it was because I stepped in. And of course, then my whole bold move thing showed up. And I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, wow, look, I'm making a bold move. I'm trying to live life on my terms. I'm uncloseting my podcast and boom, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. You know, it's almost, it's almost a little bit like, like when people go crazy and they become bridezillas, 
And, yes. you know, we think it's, oh my God, it's all about the wedding. It's all about the wedding, this big party. And the truth is it's about the marriage, right? It's about what yes. comes after. And it's funny because the coming out lounge is like about the process of coming out. But yes. living life uncloseted is everything after, right? It's yes. like you like you were focused on this on this on this moment in time and that mm-hmm. transition moment, yep. that Rubicon moment, but yes. not the whole entire life that comes after. Mm-hmm. And the life that comes after is so amazing. You well, to get the, life comes, the life that comes after, and here's Rick's really good way of doing a segue. The life that comes after is the limitless possibilities. That's how exactly. it happens. <laughs> well it done. Is. But you it must is. must be a podcaster. I must be. But, you know, it is. It's amazing because I, what I learned through the work, which I did on myself, obviously, you know, coming out, being married, having kids, you know, all that stuff. Once I started really realizing, yes, this moment, the coming out moment is a big moment. But it's everything else that happens after that that actually is really what defines who you become. Because are you going to now say, okay, I did this big thing. I really am being authentically me. But now the challenge is, are you really going to be you? Are you going to continue to be that person? Not that you're going to say, okay, no, I came out. I said I was gay. Now I'm not going to be. Some people will do that. But it's more about now how do you continue to show up authentically in life? How are you going to stand? How are you not going to get sucked in and again? gay brothers, I love you, but how are you going to get not sucked into being, okay, now here's how you do gay, honey. No, you do gay whatever way works for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like there's so much leading into that moment that so often, and you know, I'm obviously not a gay man talking about this, but from what I've noticed from family members and friends is that, that there's so much leading into that moment of coming out that you yes. are defining yourself in that moment in time mm-hmm. that it's almost like you're frozen. So yes. if you don't come out and then focus on the rest of the life that happens after you almost get stuck. Like mm-hmm. this is who I was when I came out. So this is my version of gay as opposed to mm-hmm. everything else. And it almost becomes definitional to you as opposed yes. to just one part of who you are. And because society so much wants to like, you have to come out versus yeah, invite people in. Like society wants to assign mm-hmm. you as your sexuality that it, 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 I would think that it reinforces the gayness and the part of you in that moment when you came out in a way mm-hmm. that, almost stops growth if you are not focused really intentionally on continuing to grow after that moment. And again, back to limiting possibilities or limitless possibilities. What's so interesting is many people can go to that moment, but they're still like, but I can't see beyond that. Yeah. Because that moment is so big, but but here's the interesting parallel. So when I started to shift my business around, not much. I mean, it's, it's in shift even now, but it was because Tamsin and I had, I did some work with Tamsin. We did some work around this and I'd done some work with some other people, Michael Porton, a whole slew of people. But what happened was I started to realize the person who is sitting in corporate in that corner office, who's freaking miserable, who really wants to leave that job and go do their own thing. They have the same buildup. They have the same confusion. They have the same, God, I got to figure this out. They, they need the courage. They need the confidence, all this stuff. And they build to that moment where they finally draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm leaving this. And that big moment happens. But then they got to go live beyond the closet. They got to go live beyond the closet of I'm no longer corporate. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go create my own thing. And that's when they really start living their life uncloseted because here you are. You're out of the closet now. Now, how are you going to do this? And it was really fascinating, and especially Tams and I talked about this a whole lot. It's like, 
Yeah, so what happens if we uncloset productivity in a workplace? Or what happens if we uncloset collaboration or creativity? I'm like, it's the same thing. It's like this one big coming out moment, but what do you do after you say we're, we're letting this out of the closet? You got to be ready to go. Now, how do we take that forward and live that life of creativity beyond the closet door? Yeah, but it's, that's the unknown, and the unknown is scary. Oh, it is scary. It is scary. And that's where we go and we start to figure out, so what are all those limitless possibilities? So how did this whole concept come around? And I know we're going to go do a whole other show around that when the book comes out. But, you know, we might as well give it away now because it's only a few months till it comes out. So let's, yeah. let's start tickling people's fancies about it. Yeah, so I can give you the, the, the general outline of it is that um, – uh, I, as I mentioned, I spent 20 years interviewing mm-hmm. leaders in these massive moments of career change. And what I found was that the ones who were in it because they really deeply cared about the thing they were doing were super successful. The ones that wanted to become executive directors and CEOs, because yep. from that platform, they could affect more change or build more of a company or do better for the people or the causes they cared about. They were unbelievably successful. And the ones who mm-hmm. wanted to be CEOs or executive directors, because it was just the next job on the ladder, yep. they weren't. They, they they got there, they got the job, but it just wasn't sustainable su- success. Where they just they weren't happy. And I myself was in the same place where I had I had, as you mentioned, I worked in the in the Clinton White House. I helped uh, create AmeriCorps. I, um, I I I I went to one of the best search firms in the country. I helped build a a, a, a dot com startup that did uh, executive. Uh, uh, like job postings. And then I got, I had this like moment of rage where I was like, I can do it better and smarter and faster than, you know, these like traditional old straight white men in the traditional old mortar buildings. And I launched my own firm, ran that for 15 years and then sold it to the team who helped me build it. And, um, I did that. I started the firm when my, my eldest son was six weeks old and I like, I leaned in, right? I leaned in. I did it all. I was all things to all people. I was building my career. I was building my company. I was building my community all at the same time um, and, and building my family. And, and I turned around one day and I was like, well, I've done it all. I've checked all the boxes. Why do I feel so empty? Like, why am I not happy? I'm successful. Like every way you could possibly define it, I am successful. And yet I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I'm like, it's just, it's not enough. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized that we've, we've mistaken success for happiness. And so I, I started thinking about this idea of like, what if we got it wrong? Right? Like what if leaning in isn't the way to do it? And it worked for Sheryl Sandberg. It worked for me. And then it stopped working for me. And frankly, it stopped working for her. That's more because of a tragedy in her life. But she turned around one day and she said, it's been five years. We're all leaning in. And yet there actually aren't that many more women in the C-suite. Like her own research has shown that it hasn't actually worked. So I started reflecting on the people who I had seen as successful over the course of those 20 years. And when I realized that the ones that were successful were the ones that were in what I called consonants. They were the ones that were in alignment. They were in flow. Everything that they were doing, the what they did, match the who they were. And they did it because they had a combination of four very specific things. The first was a calling. There was something that they cared about, some big North Star, whether it was a cause that they, you know, cancer they wanted to cure or some like, you know, social ill they wanted to solve. Maybe it was a company that they wanted to build. Maybe it was a Maserati they wanted to buy. It didn't like, it didn't matter. Like there's no holier than thou. So like there had to be like a a thing, a calling. Mm-hmm. And second, they had to figure out a connection. Does the work I do every day connect me to serving that calling? Like, does my work actually matter? Does my box on this organizational chart in this company 
actually make a difference. Like if I called in sick tomorrow, would anybody care? Right. Number one, uh, number one, number two, number three, contribution. Does this work? Does the salary I'm getting contribute to the lifestyle that I want to live? Mm-hmm. Does the co- the values of the company, the values of the job that I have, does it contribute to the life, the world that I want to create? Right? Is this mm-hmm. job contributing to who I am and what I care about? And then lastly, control. How much control do I have over the connection and the contribution that this work brings to the calling that I want to serve? And at every age and at every stage in your life, you're going to care about calling and connection and contribution and control differently. Mm-hmm. But it has to matter for you. And it, were the, it was the people who defined what they cared about and how these four things balanced in their life that found consonants. And when they did, they could be limitless. So you can see I'm just kind of like stunned there. <laughs> no, so I that's am because, it. because as you were, it was so fascinating because some of these words have, are actually part of a process I do, but when my, so my husband and I are literally one year in our house, um, like three, four days ago. And when we made the decision to move, it was, it was based on how well will the move fit our calling? Mm-hmm. We needed some place that we felt connected to. We wanted to be able to contribute not only differently in our own lives to our own life, but how can we contribute to things around us? We wanted to be more involved in community and all this sort of stuff. And we didn't want to have to feel like, okay, we always have to be in control because we just want to be somewhere where we don't have to control everything. We can, we can do what we're doing and know that because we're doing it, we actually are kind of in control. It isn't like, okay, we've got to get to the office. We've got to make this kind of money, da, 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 because that was a control thing. So where we chose to live was going to be very much this place that just put us in control, but it helped feed our calling. It helped us feel connected and it gave us ways to contribute. And there were some other things too, but it was so interesting as you were saying, literally, that's why I got quiet. Cause I'm like, this is creepy sh- stuff here. <laughs> because literally, it was a year ago. We we moved in the house on December 21st. And the moment we got moved in, both of us were like, and we had a really shitty move. <laughs> Bad move. I mean, it was so stressful. But we moved in. And it felt right. It was like, this is home. And we, I mean, we downsized hugely. It was all this stuff. And I love this as I was hearing this because all this makes sense. I love that you also caveated it that at different stages of life, each of these is going to feel different in some way. In fact, as you go into 2019, folks, I want you to think about this and we're going to, we're going to make sure that we get Laura back here and we talk about her book and we'll get some copies of it to give away. But I think this really sets it up. What is your calling that you need to really think about? Where do you want to be more connected? What's the contributions you need to make either to your own life or to other people's life or to the planet or whatever. And what do you really want to control? Don't control the stuff that you, you don't need to be controlling, but what would you like to be in control of? What do you need to be in control of? Exactly. Cause you know, you're not that important. You're yeah. not that important to all the things that you think you're that important to. And if you well, go into well, the new year and say, 
I'm not that important to the bake sale ask that I just got or that yeah, yeah, like yeah. office committee I just got put on or all the other bullshit stuff, but I am that important to this person in my life or yes. this hobby that I have or this thing that I care about, then you can show up for the stuff that really matters to you and not let everybody else put all their bullshit mm. on top of you so that you forget your own goals for this year. Yes. Where are you that important? Mm. I think you just delivered it home, girlfriend. <laughs> I'm serious. No, so that's fun. Like, this is like the perfect way to wrap it up. You know, where do you deliver at home? Where do you, what do you need to do? And I have been asking these questions of myself for the last six months in different ways. And I feel I'm really lined up again. And I think that six months that I wasn't was because I kind of had to shift everything around. I knew my calling was like helping people come out, but you know, what, which people, what kind of people, it's still men. It's still people finding their way. It's not that it's only going to be men. But I feel most connected when I'm doing this with guys and it's not just gay guys. I have straight guys that I'm doing this with and I'm like, wow, you just like kick my ass. And I know the contribution that's happening is it makes me a better person, but it sends them out into the world being better guys. And what if you got distracted by all the rest of like the email traffic and the noise yeah, and oh, let me pick your yeah. brains and you got yeah, a minute yeah, yeah. and I just yeah. like, let me just, you know, can you, can I take you out for coffee for whatever? All that stuff, it gets in the way of you and the thing that is your highest and best purpose. And yep. my wish for your listeners is that they go into this new year and these last, this last week of the year thinking, what, what was I put on this earth to do? What is my highest mm -hmm. and best purpose? Because that's the place where you are so important that if you don't focus your time and energy there, I mean, I would say that if, if, if you can fire on all cylinders and be amazing at being the person that you are, it's not only... It's, it's not ambitious to want to do that. It's actually a responsibility to all of those around you. Mm -hmm. And we all have a responsibility to uphold and amplify and love each other going into this, into this new year. Because this world is a terrible place right now. But thing. if we can uphold and amplify each other by being our very best and doubling down in the areas where we are needed, where we are that important, then man, we're going to have a great 2019. Mm -hmm. And we'll have an even better one when Laura comes back in a few months, right before yes. her book comes out and we'll share it with everybody. Cause I didn't want, we didn't want to open it all up today. We wanted to like, we wanted to tease you just kind of like, okay, we're going to have to come back and tune in. But, uh, I know. I didn't know that we were going to get to tease <clears throat> on the show today. <laughs> ah, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. And I'm so glad for things like social media for these moments right here. Yes. Thank you, Michael Barber, for bringing us together. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of ironic. I don't even think he knew that until he like <laughs> saw something going on between. He's like, ah, what's going on here? But um, yeah, it's just those beautiful moments when you realize that you have found your way. I'm going to use your stuff. Your calling brought you together to make the connection where you can both contribute and help people have better control of their lives. So, Amen. Yeah. So, all right. Life Uncloseted listeners, there you go. Go have fun last week of the year, but get it on. Start thinking about those four things, calling, connection, and contribution and control. And we will be back in another week and it'll be a brand new year when we do this one. So take care, everybody. Be safe and come back and see us and come back and see Laura in just a few months when we have her on the podcast again for Limitless Possibilities. Take care, everyone. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. 
Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clements, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.